You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we We had to go back. Did we? Oh, yes, we did. (laughs) Debatable. Welcome back to No Love Lost. I am your lost-loving host, Will Link, and with me as always... The no part. (laughs) I'm Megan Salinas, you guys. (laughs) Um, And uh, we're here. We're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 7, The Moth. <laughs> and the moth in question in this episode is a metaphor for Charlie and Charlie's struggle with uh, kicking drugs, kicking his uh, heroin habit, uh, in which uh, he at one point is compared to a moth that is trying to get out of its cocoon. And Locke says he could help it get out, but the struggle is what makes it strong. As far as uh, lost metaphors go, I feel like this one's one of the more on-the-nose metaphors. Yes. That doesn't make it any less effective or any less valuable than some of the more subtle stuff they've done um, prior to this and some of the stuff they'll do later on down the line. This is is a little bit of an on-the-nose metaphor that works perfectly. And... This entire episode, I, I know I'm the naysayer. I'm supposed to be the naysayer of this podcast. But man, if I didn't really like this episode... Again, you're, you're going to hear mostly positive things from me this entire season. Um, and I, I just... I'm dreading that turning point. Because this is, this is the smooth sailing portion of the voyage. You know what's so interesting about the Charlie character? That he was clearly... He was clearly the most instantly likable character that they set up in 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 the pot. Like he's just like kind of the fun guy, like the guy you kind of like. He's kind of funny. He's kind of charming. Well, he was one of the biggest names because uh, he had been in the Lord of the Rings. Exactly, he'd been Merry. And um, so I I remember them advertising his name a lot prior to the uh, prior to the premiere of the series. Like anytime, which is funny because they they had a decently. Uh, they had a decent cast in terms of, like, I don't necessarily want to say an A-list cast, but, you know, they had Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox and, and some notoriety. Yeah, there and a few other notable character actors um, there. But, yeah, I guess he was their, quote-unquote, biggest celebrity, and so he immediately stands out. And then just his personality, it was so quirky and funny and different than everybody else on the island. He absolutely stands out as a character, not yeah. just because he was top billing when the show started, but also just because 
of the the way he's kind of because of the drugs he was kind of dissociated from what was going on but still very charming and funny it it's a very interesting blend and a very interesting way to get acquainted with this character in the first couple episodes of the series um let's let's start with the flashbacks uh before we do we should probably mention guys if for whatever reason this is your first episode listening to us we go into spoiler territory for just about everything in this show yeah <laughs> just fyi if you haven't gotten that at this point if, although it would be weird this one verse like i've seen one episode of lost since the moth and I need to now just tune into this podcast. Well, sometimes people just jump into a podcast at a random episode. So, That's true. fair warning for anybody who's just dove into our <coughs> podcast and thinks one day they'll watch Lost. Fair warning. So, in the flashback, it's kind of almost a surprise because we know Charlie's a rock star and we know he's a drug addict. But when we first see him, he's like the good Christian boy, he's in confessional, and the thing about it is, at first, you're like, oh, maybe this isn't really, though, who he is, that he's, but no, he is really, like, he's, he seems devout, he seems to have a lot of regrets about some of the uh, sexual transgressions he might have just had. He's got a lot of Catholic guilt. Yeah. Um, and you can definitely tell that from his upbringing. And he's got a very interesting dynamic, not only with the the church and his faith, but also his family. And, um, you know, in the... It's funny because looking at these flashbacks, these are the first time we're seeing anything overtly religious in the show. A lot of the characters prior to this have talked about faith yeah. and talked about faith in a higher power, even though in a lot of cases that's not necessarily God. That's, you know, believing but in But for luck Charlie, or... it's God. <laughs> yeah. And later in the series, he'll even have more uh, religious visions. I believe there's a, I believe there's a vision of like, Claire and the Virgin Mother in, well, in later and, seasons. And there's, you know, this is further on down the line, but a priest eventually joins the cast of of characters that we have on this island. A priest. Wink! Nah. Yeah, he's, he's not... Hey, let's not go ragging on Mr. Echo. He's, hey, well, he was, he was not... I loved Mr. Echo. But, you know, Mr. Echo is the two sides of Charlie. He's the... The priest drug dealer. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what he, he is. He and Charlie compliment each other so well. Yeah. There's the devoted, um, there's the devoted follower and slash drug addict, and then there's there's the the leader of the flock slash drug dealer. Yeah, I feel like there's a metaphor there. Something about religion being the opium of the masses, uh, but I, let's not. <laughs> I don't think that was intentional on the, the part of the writers. So Charlie, he's talking to this priest, and he basically he has some genuine concerns about the success that his band might end up having and the sin that will be invited into their life because of it. He already kind Charlie already kind of knows the way the story's going to go, and he's. It's tough to tell whether he knows how much he'll be tempted, and I think he does, but a lot of it is put through the idea that he's worried about his brother. 
too. The, I think it's fairly apparent, and this wasn't necessarily something that occurred to me the first time I watched this episode years ago, um, but watching it again, you really do see the fear in his in his performance when he's talking about what it's like, kind of, even just with their small-time success before they get signed on, this small-time success and the allure of that rock star lifestyle and the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, so to speak, side of things. Um, and you can tell he has an addictive personality. Um, yeah. and, and he knows it. He's... Is, it's the self-awareness was what I didn't pick up on yeah. first time around. Same. But But knowing, you know, kind of going back and looking at it again, past Charlie sees this fear. It's almost like he knows further on down the line what he could become if they don't stop. Or if he allows himself to be lost to that lifestyle. But how do you stop? They just got signed. Driveshaft <laughs> just got signed. Well, and, and Charlie's like, as long as it's about the music. And here's the thing, I think that, I, I actually do, I really think, and maybe Charlie uses it as a scapegoat later on down the road, but I really think that if his older brother hadn't been egging him on so much, and maybe there's a little bit of unreliable narrator here, because we are getting it from Charlie's perspective, um, but I really do think that if left to his own devices, Charlie would have just washed his hands of it. And been like, no, that's a deep, dark path I don't want to go yeah. down. And I'm just going to walk away from that and, and just play in, like, coffee shops or And something. I think there was also a thing where Charlie probably felt he could look out for his brother. His brother could look... Like, if we're in it together... And, in, and in fact, his brother even says that. That they'll look... His brother Liam, which I assume is a reference to... I'm assuming there's an oasis. There's a, there's a very obvious... Oasis uh, comparison here between, uh, you know, Liam Gallagher, Noel Gallagher, Liam and Charlie here. Like, there's a, there's a very, um, uh, they didn't hide that. The, that the self destructive rock and roll story is a tale as old as time, unfortunately. Um, although, kind of looking at, again, kind of the self awareness on Charlie's part and kind of how different he and his brother are when it comes to their faith and playing by the rules and everything like that. I I genuinely don't remember. Do we further on down the line in, in further episodes where we get more Charlie flashbacks, do we really delve into their family life much, like in terms of their parentage? I'll be honest with you, I, I'm having trouble remembering. I mean, I know we get more with his brother. Absolutely. But I can't quite remember how deep into Charlie's family we get. Because I'm, what I'm thinking is that there was probably an alcoholic it, or... or potentially even another drug user in the form of one of their parents, either mom yeah. or dad, and the other parent used religion as a coping mechanism. And so they probably grew up in this family that was both very religious, but also very troubled and, you know, addicted to something. God damn it. I... I... I can't remember this detail, and I know somebody's listening right now, going like, "Of course, don't you remember his father?" Blah blah blah. But I'm, 
I genuinely, I mean, this is one of the most memorable Charlie flashback episodes. I know we get more later on down the road, but this is the only one that's really springing to well, mind. Well, and it's also then when we see them on the road, it's the first time we get to hear the song, the really the song. You are everybody. <laughs> you are everybody. <laughs> um, which is about what I would expect for a song written for a network television show in the mid-2000s. <laughs> um, Where it's just that one line over yeah. Like it, I mean, I know there were other lyrics, but you all, everybody. <laughs> um, I love that that's like the only bit that we hear for the longest time. It's all everybody remembers of Drive Shaft. Uh, Except John Locke, he, you know, he celebrates their entire... Oh. Uh, He's uh, like, you know, it used to be about the music. It used to be about the music. Well, but then Charlie has... <laughs> first of all, Charlie gets annoyed... That Liam is stepping on his his lines in the song. Then they go back and Liam's hooking up with girls. And Charlie does say, like, it was about the music. Which, to be fair, is the biggest possible cliche he could possibly say. But I'm with it because I'm with Charlie. Of and it was about the music. It was true. It was about this. Um, but again... You know, Charlie wants to walk away, but how do you walk away from this? How do you, like, I, I, I get, let me tell you what. <laughs> if I were in a band, I would, I don't, I, you know, I don't think I'd start doing drugs, but I would go down some horrible, horrible partying too much. <laughs> like, I'd be drinking, I'd be with the groupies, I'll admit it. <laughs> I'd be terrible. I'd be terrible because how do you, are you not? Even if you don't have an addictive personality, once you're around all these people who think you're so great and think everything's so wonderful <laughs> that you're doing, how do you not buy into that? And Liam bought into it, and Charlie tried to pull him out, but he couldn't. Uh, if Instead, I... he succumbed. Instead, he doubled down and tried to be more like his brother. Ugh. You, uh, it's the moment where he gives up is is one of the most. It's such a sad turning point for this character because you ultimately know, you know, what that it's going to tear the band apart, that it's going to ruin his relationship with his brother, and that, you know, which is already ruined because drugs has already ruined that relationship. And, and the thing that the where the brother hits him is this idea that he's useless, that yeah. like you like you're useless because when they first came into it, it's like it's your songs, we need you, and then. As I'm just the, the bloody singer. Nobody wants to hear me. And then it's like... It's your beautiful words, little brother. It's like, nobody cares about the bassist. F you. You're useless. And he, you know, you know that his older brother knowingly took that away from him. He's like, that whole, oh yeah, it won't happen again, won't happen again. That was intentional. It wasn't like, oh, I just got caught up in the moment. No. That he said he was, that? Yeah, uh, like, uh, he was like... I, I mean... He was like, oh, I just got caught up in the moment. It won't happen again. He was like, no, you knew what oh, you were Oh, with the line in the song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought you meant calling him useless. No, 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 But no. does he really know what he's doing? Yeah. Or do you think it's that he's so no. fucked up? I mean, I'm not going to deny that he's fucked up. He's absolutely fucked up. But he's been manipulating and bullying his little brother. Maybe not overtly bullying That's him. That's Like, threatening him or whatever. But he's been, in in the way that only an older I mean, sibling can, he's been pushing his little brother into doing things that he doesn't want to do. I mean, he, yeah, here's the thing. 
whether he was on drugs or not at the time, when Liam convinces Charlie to be in the band, you're you're absolutely right in that it's it's manipulative. He, he, it's manipulative, and he knows he's gonna he wants fame, and he knows he's gonna screw anything he sees, and he knows he he already knows he has that. See, that's what he wants. Charlie's the one that's in it for the music. Liam is the one that's in it for the fame, the drugs, the money, and the power. I'd be in it for all of it. <laughs> it's about the music, but, you know. I could never be a rock star. Uh, one, because I'm not musically talented in any way, shape, Yeah, oh, well, that, that's working against me, too. Uh, and then, two, I don't like partying all that much anymore. I'm an old lady. I'm an, I'm an old... I'll, all I want to do is curl up in a blanket on a Friday night and watch a movie. I'm an old man, but I still like a good party. <laughs> um, so, well, Charlie becomes a drug addict. Yeah, watching watching this episode, it makes me... And, and other things like that. I know I have a lot of friends who don't have super great relationships with their siblings, and I have a lot of friends who don't have any siblings. Watching things like this on TV make me very grateful that I have awesome siblings, <laughs> that I have a good, close relationship with both of my brothers. And, um, yeah, so so watching watching an episode like this, it hits me pretty hard, because I'm like, oh, no, that's not how brothers should be. But then we cut to the final flashback. Yeah, roles, this wasn't a freaking turn. And roles have been reversed. Charlie comes now begging to Liam, like, we got to go back out. On the road, we gotta go back there. And Liam's like, nah, I can't handle all that. <laughs> he won't do the thing. He's not open to the manipulation that Charlie was. You open know why? To. Because he's the older sibling. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have to listen to his younger brother. He never has. And Charlie's like, come back. And, and Liam's like, no, stay here. But this, this is when Liam does the right thing. And he's like, you stay here and we'll get you help. But Charlie won't stay. Yeah, and... And, and, I, and I think the, that's as much about Charlie in that moment feeling betrayed more yeah. than more than, more than than anything. Because Charlie knows he needs help. Charlie knows it's a problem. And he just sees this betrayal of his brother. Uh, he's coming to him in the same way. Well, it, it, it is absolutely a betrayal. And I, I know that obviously Liam made the right choice because he can't handle that lifestyle. He knows what it does to him and he has responsibilities and he's supposedly grown out of that lifestyle and he knows that if he goes back into it, he'll succumb to it once more. So... He absolutely made the right choice, but it is a betrayal because of the way this episode is structured because Charlie said yes when Liam came to him and it ruined his life. And now Charlie's coming to Liam going, hey, I need you. Uh, this is the only way to get things back on track for me. And Liam says no. And so, of course, Charlie's going to feel betrayed because that, like... He said yes, where his brother said no, and it's like, ugh, yeah, yeah, you did this to me. <clears throat> like, how how could you? And I I do want to ask, do you think Liam should have been? Obviously, they didn't know that Charlie was going to be on a plane that went down onto a magical yeah. space island. That because because we should say he's visiting him in Sydney. Liam yes. is relocated to Sydney. Yep, uh, one of his 
probably groupies <laughs> that he hooked up with at one point. Um, that he settled down with? Yeah, that he... Because... Um, See, that it's all, it was all worth it. He found love. Well, here's the thing. He probably knocked up a groupie, and then when she was giving birth, he mentioned that he was plastered, stumbling around the night she was born. And so... He's like, oh, I should probably work my life out. Well, you know what? That's uh, that's what it takes. You gotta impregnate somebody and give have them give in, birth. In a lot, of, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna say that becoming a parent like fixes people who are broken or anything like that. But there are a lot of instances where people who have a lot of issues in their lives, um, once they become parents, they're like, okay, because I need to grow it's a up. level of responsibility that it's the highest level of responsibility. Yeah. I'm not saying that other other people. So if you're out there and you're having problems in life, or let's say you're in a relationship and things are going bad, just have a baby and everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. But I do want to ask: Do you think Liam should have tried harder to get Charlie to stay? I mean, ideally, yes, but. But you can't you know, make somebody... Exactly. You can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Yeah. So. Um, so then we... You now let's get to the island. Charlie, now, not that long after this incident. This is probably only more than a week after this incident. They mentioned Liam. that they've been on the island for eight days. Yeah, so just, oh, eight just over... Eight days. So just over a week. And Charlie is going through... Withdrawal, and uh, smell like stupid Locke. <laughs> but Locke is trying to, and I did remember, trying to murder him. <laughs> okay, well let's talk we're, about. We're gonna this. have to talk about that scene. <laughs> so Locke is trying to get Charlie to like do some stuff. He's like, ah, go out. <laughs> Hi, let's go take a walk, bait. What'd you say? It'll be it, it'll be good to yeah. stretch your legs. The fresh air will do you good. Soon to be bait. <laughs> Locke walks Charlie into to boar bait. And by the way, in the first season, there were a lot of boar running around. I guess the argument is once they got in the hatch, they didn't need the boar because they had food. But well, also I feel like also Locke might have just killed all of the boar on the island eventually. And Charlie uh, is the bait for the the. Four, but he um okay i like season one john Locke just as much as the next girl and or guy however i feel like it's fairly safe to say that maybe give the person going through drug withdrawal symptoms a heads up before you let them be chased by a wild animal that they fear could impale them. Hey, at least uh, Locke is the one person who's trying to make Charlie useful, which is the one thing Charlie wants to be. Yeah, but give him a heads up, hey, Locke. Help you, me. Yes, sociopath. Help me draw out these boar. Yeah. Then yeah. Yeah. Um, I know that the argument is that Locke wouldn't have allowed anything bad to happen to Charlie. I disagree with that assessment. <laughs> Locke thinks he wouldn't have let anything bad happen to Charlie. Well, a million things could have went wrong. Yeah. Like he could have got gored by the <laughs> boar. 
And then what's Locke gonna do? Hey guys, sorry, the lead singer of everybody's favorite, or the, the, the bass basis. player, the bass player for everybody's favorite the, band is the, now dead at my hands. The useless bassist <laughs> of Drive Show. Don't hey, say that, it's, he's not useless. It's Liam's words, not mine. Charlie is Drive Shaft. <laughs> you all, everybody, you all, everybody. <laughs> But, um, um, okay, but, so... So, yeah, season one Locke is equal parts mysterious, sympathetic, and also kind of a madman. Um, I would argue, though, all none of those things change throughout <laughs> the series. <laughs> if anything, they just get magnified. Yeah, he gets crazier and crazier. He becomes oddly more sympathetic and oddly more of a madman. Um, oh, poor John. So... Charlie, this is the start of this thing that sets up with Locke. Of Locke says, I believe you are, are stronger than you think you are. And Charlie's like, I need the drugs. And he goes, I will let you ask me for the drugs three times. And on the third time, I will give them to you. But I believe you're stronger than you think you well, are. And it's funny, too, because Charlie's reaction isn't just to immediately ask the other two times. He's like, what do you mean you'll give them back to me? Because he knows yeah. it's terrible for him. He's he like, just get rid of them. Yeah, and he knows that you know he's still going to have to go through this withdrawal anyway because eventually those drugs will run out and they have no idea of how long it's going to take them to be rescued. So yeah, Charlie's like, what are you talking about, you insane person? Just get rid of them. And, and can we talk about, just real quick, how well-structured this episode is? Yeah. In terms of the, the parallel in the flashbacks, showing, um, again, that, that juxtaposition between past and present Charlie and Liam... And how, that parallel, and then in this part of the episode where it's structured with these three questions, um, this episode is just a great example of what makes season one so good, and that's writing with intent, writing with purpose and structure, and I feel like this is something that the series really loses later on down the line, but it's so well executed here. And I, I just wish that it was this type of writing that the show just kind of picked up and ran with well, it becomes, later on down the line. It becomes a different show. It does. It really does. This, this show, right now in the early days of, of Lost, it's It's much, a lot of setup. Yeah. It's a lot of setup, and it's much more traditionally structured, and even with the flashbacks. And eventually, it, it won't be that way, because it, it had to change. Yeah, because... Some and would to, say for the worse. Some might say. Some might say for the better. Well, uh, and and this is perhaps a debate for another day, but I tend to like, and I'm not gonna rag on stories that do have to grow and develop as they go on because that's every story to an extent is. You know, a writer can't necessarily plan for everything in the beginning. You know, spontaneous things happen as you're putting pen to paper. And things that even the author didn't expect working out end up working out. Um, you know, that's, that's the nature of writing. But when it comes to television series, I really appreciate a lot more thoughtful beginning, middle, end 
sort of structures in my storytelling if it's like here's the initial premise and then we just go and there's no plan or forethought that can work but in a lot of cases it really doesn't things just sort of become convoluted and very messy and I would argue that Lost is one of those series um, I know that's up for debate and we'll get to it later on down the line but since it started off so structured, I think that's one of the reasons why I became so frustrated with it later on down the line. Um, so, sorry. Charlie, I mean, I was going to say, mean, if you want to chime in I, on that. You know, I, I, we're going to, we got so many episodes to get into it about that. Because, I mean, I, I would say that that's... It, 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 I didn't mean it, to take us off on that it, tangent. It, I just really set, like the structure. I, I feel like they set up a traditional structure... But they always knew they were going to have to destroy that. You couldn't have just gone into the crazy structure it became. Like, you had to have a... a you had to found, have a base. Yeah, that uh, an, that people could... And with I, an ensemble cast like this, you had to have a base. And, and also, network television at this time, you had to give people something somewhat familiar to hold on to uh, before you kind of... Uh, Really just, dove into the magical realism sort of Before you kind of destroy it all, I'm, I'm using... <laughs> but I'm using destroy in a good sense. Like, I'm kind of like you tear down the structure and the things that are, are traditional to create something new and more interesting. I will agree with you that destroy was the right word. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jack and Kate are still having this argument, Kate versus Beach. Can I, I, I know that they're close and everything like that, but is it weird that, like, they're having this discussion of, like, why won't you come live, like, move in with me, Kate? You've known each other for eight days, Jack. All right, Jack. Jack <laughs> Quit is, being so clingy. Jack is smart. He found the most eligible woman <laughs> on the island. And he's uh, making his move. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't the right move, Jack. But I'm just saying, you've known each other for eight but, days. Asking her to move in with you, it's a little sudden. But Kate is also... Like, Jack has clearly given up hope. Like, Jack has heard, well, there's been this French uh, frequency going for like 16 years or, or however many years it is. And... Um, and, you know, no one's ever going to find us. So, like, Jack is really giving up. He really leaned into the Robinson Crusoe sort of lifestyle real quick. He was like, well, all hope is lost. Uh, let's go hang out and live in this cave together. I mean, Kate, when do you want to move in? I mean, I know the world is a big place, <laughs> and you can still get lost in it. But, like... He we're gave a, a mo- real, real fast. I mean, we're in a modern age. To this. <laughs> but, Even back in, like, what was this, 2004? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Even in 2004, I mean, you know, but then again, what am I talking about? A couple of years ago, there was that uh, Air Singapore. It was Singapore, right? Air, airplanes still go missing, Will. But that's the only one that ever really went missing. Like, major airliner that really went missing. And that's also, like, potentially a it went missing, wink. <laughs> now stop asking questions about it. I'm going on a trip to Japan. It just occurred to me, I think that's the airline I'm taking. <laughs> Best of luck. Um. <laughs> so anyway, so, okay, but so this... Neither, neither here nor there, but, um, but yeah, Jack... Has it, which is really funny because if you look at the, the, their setup in terms of having some people on the shore 
trying to do everything they can to get rescued and moving the majority of everybody else to the caves where there is shelter and fresh water I mean, and shade. Sense. It's one of those things where, if, like, looking at it, it's like, it absolutely makes sense to divide the group like that. But, yeah, you can't move everyone off that beach. No, of course not. Because then you've admit defeat. And, um, and here's the thing. It's Jack's unwillingness to let go of control <laughs> and allow, like, other people an equal part in that leadership role. He's... Like, so unwilling that he's... That's why he was like, we need to move everyone to the caves. And it's like, come on, no. Yeah. This is this is the best case scenario, having well, some people... And and I, I really like, in this early... In these early stages of this season, um, and it becomes more apparent as the episode goes on, but I really like seeing everybody working together on the island to survive. Like, everybody on the beach doing what they need to do to try to signal out. Um, everybody in the caves working together on that little... We'll get to so, it. But yeah, let's... let's, let's, let's. I, I just like seeing everybody work together, and I don't know why Jack couldn't see the synergy of the situation. Well, Sawyer's already moving in to Jack's <laughs> shelter. He wasted zero time. Jack was still moving to Van. He's like, he's Dips. coming in, hey, freckles or whatever, and he's moving in. He's moving in on Jack's home. He's moving in on Jack's lady. He's moving... <laughs> Sawyer's just moving in on... Everything. So Jack <laughs> goes, like, I'm the big man on campus now. So Jack goes back to the caves, and Charlie wants to help, but he keeps messing up. He's so he's like he's breaking the suitcase, things are spilling. Hey, the zipper was broken. That's not his fault. It's not his fault, no. but you know he he should have let you know. Well, and he's going through withdrawal. So yeah, he doesn't want to be useless. Um, sitting down and just thinking about it is not helping, so he wants to get up and be proactive, and, and he desperately doesn't want to be useless. It, yes, because that's his whole thing. And the series has done, up until this point, a really good job of showing Charlie's always around, but they're never giving him the serious thing to do. Well, and the one time somebody was relying on him to do something for her, um, it was taking advantage of him. So even in the one time that he was useful to someone, Shannon, uh, he found out that he was, even though he was being useful, he was being He was being used. used. Just, <laughs> Which yeah. is a really weird way to phrase it, but yes. He um, was being taken advantage of the one time he thought he was helping. And he confronts Jack about this. And he tells him, I'm a rock god. I should be... And they're getting into this argument. While they're getting into this argument, I don't think it's because of the argument, but there's a cave-in. You could argue, knowing what we know later on down the line, that it was island magic. <laughs> yeah, which is what I would argue. It would. You could argue that it was just Jacob being a dick. <laughs> I would argue, but really, it, this cave-in ended up being... Maybe not a, you know, a not dick thing because it exits. Well, if, if not you necessarily say, if you an accident. Say, if you say everything happens for a reason, the cave-in isn't that bad of Or a maybe thing. not even Jacob or whatever other power players there are on this island, but the island itself testing him. Because they're all, poten they've all got potential. Yes. And uh, the cave-in, Charlie makes it out, Jack gets stuck in there. And now it's all hands on deck. Now, can I just say that I feel like we need more episodes where Jack is the damsel in distress? Because 
when our de facto leader goes down and is trapped, that's when everybody else gets their turn to shine. And again, Jack, season one, I love you. Everything after that, meh. <laughs> but I would say that Jack is a character who, I mean, ultimately he becomes a hero of the island, but he's a character who's almost always in distress. Like, there's, I mean... There's emotional distress, but I mean, I mean physical, he's, he's physically incapacitated in this moment, and as a result, the spotlight shines on everybody else, and everybody else has to step up, and then at the end of the episode, Jack can be there to provide emotional support to someone else, as opposed to being the one that needs emotional support for keeping everything together. So, Jack... I like this other side of Jack, is what I'm saying. So, in order to make this whole story makes sense we should get to what's happening on the beach before charlie runs to the beach to tell everybody it's all hands on deck we got to get jack out of this cave saeed has a plan to find the signal rousseau we, we don't know it's rousseau yet but rousseau's <laughs> signal uh the and, french woman's signal and there's a way to <clears throat> triangulate these antennas it's a whole bunch of, of technical sounding words that i guess work Basically, he's set up a system. He needs Boone and Kate to help him flip the switches at the proper time and then light off their flares so that given the limited amount of power time that, that we they know have, that it all got set up. Yeah. And, yeah, and the, he can the, do his thing. The bottle rockets got to go up because that's the only way they can all know that they're in the in position at the right time. Um so Saeed is, you know, he's he needs a few things. And we get another Kate getting stuff from Sawyer scene. And she's a little, she goes in hot on Sawyer. Yeah. Like, and Sawyer <laughs> was like, all you had to do was like. Yeah, because she needed a, a laptop, laptop battery. To help all this work. And like, she goes in, She does, in fairness to Sawyer. Sawyer is eating a lot of shit from people. Sawyer started off a bit of an asshole, but already seven episodes in. I would argue, and maybe I'm bringing too much of what I know Sawyer becomes, but he is eating a lot of shit from people. Well, he's got a he's got a shit eating grin. I think is part of it. Um, but the thing is, is that we know in the brief glimpses that we've gotten of Sawyer's good side, the guilt he feels at having made the U.S. Marshals suffering worse before Jack had to kill him. And then that moment that he had with Claire uh, and just these very quiet moments of self-reflection, we know that there's more to Sawyer than we're seeing right here on the surface. And also just given the fact that anytime somebody gets an episode, they get more depth and yeah. we understand and them I, a lot more. I believe the next episode is a Sawyer episode. It is. Confidence um, man. And so it's safe to say that even though Sawyer is giving off this very... He's doing pretty awful things, and he's giving off this bad boy persona. We know that there's going to be more depth there, just given the structure of the show up to this point. That being said, his actions where he's acting like a complete and total jerk definitely overshadow the good moments that he's had. Yeah. Um. So, you know, they... Charlie runs to the beach. Uh, because now, at this point, Saeed and Kate have gone off into the jungle. And, and Hurley said specifically, you have to tell Kate. You have to tell Kate. And Charlie gets back there. There's no Kate. 
and Charlie tells the story, and Sawyer's like, I'll go tell Kate. Charlie also, I don't really understand why Boone left his post. Uh, I know... Well, he went to go help at the Yeah, cave. but there were a lot of guys going to help at that point. I, I love and, the, the just the brief moment where they, they grabbed Michael, and then there were also, like, Steve and Scott. Oh, they said their <laughs> names! Like, they said other I'm people's Scott. names. I'm Scott. I'm Steve. Whatever! Come on! <laughs> and it was just like, oh, isn't that cute? The background actors finally got a chance to say something. But Boone knows what he's doing with this flair is very important. And he also knows his sister's a bit of a fuck up. And I'm, I think Boone, Boone also always wants to help, almost to his detriment. Absolutely to I, his detriment. I, yeah, that's true. To his detriment and often the detriment of everyone around him. And so it's like, Boone, stay in your post. There's enough people going. Like, you gotta set off this rocket. But instead, Boone explains everything in detail to Shannon, what she was there, and she's like, seems like she's half listening, but he still kind of just leaves it Which with it. is funny, because I, you know that he wants to go and help Jack, that he very much, even if he doesn't necessarily idolize Jack, we know that he wants to help Jack, and that he knows that Jack is one of the most important assets on this island, because he's a doctor. So... And let's be honest, everybody on this island pretty much owes Jack for quite a bit at this point. So you know that Boone being the type of person that he is, you know, he's the one trying to give CPR to people right after the crash. He's the one trying to, you know, dive into the ocean and save a drowning woman to his own detriment. So you know that when Jack's life is in danger, Boone is going to go running. I actually think that even though he's pretty condescending to Shannon in this moment, it's actually a huge vote of confidence that he was like... He's willing to know, leave her with... I know you can handle this. Yeah. Because there were there were any number but, of people he could have asked who were staying. Well, that was Steve. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, instead, of, instead of Steve or Scott going to the cave, he could have been like, No, Scott, come over here. You need to set off this flare and flip this switch at this time, and it's great. Um, but it, no, he leaves it to Shannon, which... And to her credit, she does the job. Well, we'll get to that, too. Um, so, so what ends up happening is, you know, they all run off to the cave. Sawyer runs and does run into Kate. And Kate and Saeed are having an interesting conversation about, it's the first time that Saeed kind of is They're talking about to think, faith. Yeah, and that there's something maybe else going on here because there's no way they should have, this many people should have survived that plane crash. The way the plane broke up, the way different pieces of it landed all over the sun. Yeah, Saeed's a smart guy. He's like, statistically speaking, we should all be dead. Like, yeah. it makes no sense that we're here right now. But it's almost like he doesn't want to get, they're, they're, he's also very pragmatic in that he's like, well, we got to figure out getting off of the sun. We have to figure out what's going on here before we can look at the, the introspective like, yeah kind of possibly uh, faith-based or other reasons why we might have survived and then sawyer runs into well because he he told charlie don't worry i'll yeah. find kate i'll tell her and and to sawyer's credit he finds kate and then does not tell her but i would argue kate again real jerk to sawyer in this moment she comes in hot on sawyer i mean 
acting like a misogynistic dick to her the entire time, though. If Sawyer came up to, like, followed me into the into the jungle and, um, you know, I would probably act very similar to Kate in this moment. I would be like, oh my god, what do you want? Could you not? Could you just leave me alone? And Sawyer could have proved her wrong in this moment by being like, hey, no, I'm actually here to tell you something very seriously. But no, he waits and holds on to it and then rubs it in her face. Well, but isn't isn't this also just kind of a case of, of oh, you think I'm the villain, then I'm going to be the villain. Like, it's... I mean, it, it, it's, yes, but why not just prove her wrong instead of proving her right? But I think people do that. We all uh, 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 fall into the, the stereotypes of... of uh, of what we are sometimes. I'm like, oh, you expect me to be this. So, yeah, fine. I'll do... I'll be that. Yeah. 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 We, we all do that to an extent. I mean, the older we get, I, I'd like to think the less we do it. It's, it does seem certainly like a... Uh, but, you know. I do want to point out um, that in this first... In, in the first scene with Jack and Kate, I feel like they are very much giving off this couple who's on the rocks sort of vibe, even though they've only known each other for eight days. I really think that Kate and Saeed have a lot of chemistry, and I can't believe that I didn't... the show never explored that? that? The show never explored that, and I can't believe that I didn't notice it when I was watching the show for the first time. Um, you know, Kate and Sawyer... Well, you want to know what I think a lot of it is and why we didn't notice things for the first time, the first time is because we're also somewhat blinded by the mystery of the show. Yeah, absolutely. A- and We're wondering what's going on. Where's, where's yeah. all this going? What does the polar bear mean? And I also wonder if the case of a character like Saeed, yeah. if we, as an audience in 2004, before we get to know this character, are also somewhat blinded by the stereotypes that we might have about a certain Our character. Our prejudices, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they have great chemistry, and I, I kind of wish that the show had explored that a little bit more. And again, I feel like this is one of those remnants of Kate being the protagonist that, um, that remained in season one. So what ends up happening is uh, back at the cave, the guys there, they're, they're pulling off the rocks. Which, again, Michael gets this wonderful moment to shine in this episode. Well, and, we uh, find out his background's in construction. Yeah. Which this... also comes into play with later when he decides to construct a raft, I guess. <laughs> I just, I really appreciated this moment. I had completely forgotten how much of a contribution he did have in this early season. And getting him, finally giving him a chance to shine, it warmed my heart a little bit. I was like, aww. By the way, uh, Caven, pretty good argument to stay on the beach. Just saying. <laughs> but they're, but they're, okay, they're getting, and they were able to clear kind of a, like a, a hole into the cave and they could hear Jack. And the hole's big enough just for, and they don't even look to Charlie at first. They're looking at other people. They're even looking well, at Sun. It's and it's big enough for a small person. Yes. Not, not like somebody who's got big shoulders. But it's or... it's funny. They still don't even think Charlie. And then Charlie's kind of like, come on. If not me, then who? Yeah. She's married and has a husband. You have a son. I'm uh, the only one with no attachments. Yeah. I'm all by myself. So he goes in there. Now, let me ask you this, and maybe this is something I just don't understand about cave rescues. Why? <laughs> Why does he go in? 
I mean, I guess he's got to take the rock off of Jack's leg so Jack can move around in there. But, I mean, they still don't think there's any other way to get out of there. So it's like, I mean, is the plan, and maybe they don't explain it, for, but is the plan he's going to go in there, he's going to get the rock off Jack's leg, and then what's he just going to, because Jack can't fit through that hole? I think maybe the idea was that... They need somebody, I don't know, maybe that, like, that was as big as they could make the tunnel at that time, and the, the immediate threat was what was pinning Jack to the ground. Like, he might have needed immediate medical attention at that point. Um, Fair enough. Like, he, even though we, we find out he's got a dislocated shoulder, but any number of things could have happened. But he might have had a broken rib and a punctured lung. How are you going to get him out of there, though? I don't know. I'm not I'm not a search and rescue operator, man. I'm so, not a scientist. And of course, Charlie crawls through the really narrow cave. And then a la the descent, there's a cave-in. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness that this island did not have those creepy motherfucking monsters from the descent. It'd be a very different TV I mean, show. maybe the island does have them, and like we just never go underground far enough to see them. <laughs> Hot take. Lost in descent. Shared universe. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, but Charlie gets through before the animator, and he frees Jack, and, and you know, they, they start to have some real heart-to-hearts in there with the last bit of oxygen, and they've they got to have a pretty good attitude about yeah. the fact they're going to die. Well, and again, you know, Charlie, you're not useless. You went, you came in and saved me when nobody else could. So jumping back to Saeed's plan, and we're jumping back and forth because these stories intersect yeah. at this moment here. So, so, so Saeed is basically like, okay, Kate, this is where you guys set off your flare. I'm going to go set up like the last the last thing, and then when you see mine and go then, off... Saeed's so adorable, he's like, I don't, I don't trust Sawyer. Like, yeah. are you gonna be cool? And she's like, yeah. I'm cool, I'm cool. I'm like, mm, you guys have great chemistry. Kiss. And then... <laughs> you shipping those two. I do, I do, I officially do now. Um, and then Sawyer... Sawyer's clearly jealous of Jack, but I think it's just... It's not even just a Kate thing. It's a... Jack is respected, and Jack is perceived as the good guy yeah and this is a dynamic that will go back and forth with jack and sawyer for throughout up until the last season even yeah and uh, where they have different attitudes about things and quite frankly as the series goes on i side more often with sawyer but right now yeah uh right now not necessarily so but sawyer's given this like what is it about jack ladies love doctors um uh, but then he finally tells Kate, like, he says, like, he, he, what is it that he does? He refers to Jack, like, in the past tense or yeah. something like that. And, and he's like, oh, wait, didn't I tell you? Oh, yeah, he's probably super dead Oh, right he's now. dead in the cave. My bad. And Kate <laughs> runs off. Leave uh, and then again, to Sawyer's credit, he does stay there and do the job that Kate was well, supposed to do. Well, this is what I love, though, that... I didn't remember if they did their jobs, Sawyer and Shannon. And the show was really... the. I mean, I've complained the logic of the characters leaving these people there. But from a storytelling standpoint, it's wonderful that it's the people you're most skeptical of. Because yeah. I totally expect one of them to screw because up. Because 
both uh, Sawyer and Shannon have inspired nothing that would even come close to confidence and in their ability and or willingness to contribute to the rest of the group. And before we get back to the cave, uh, let's just wrap this whole thing up. Saeed gets in position, sets off the flare, and Shannon, who's gossiping with some girl that... With some nameless extra who will never come back. And she's like, she sees it, and she remembers she has a thing that she's, she's supposed like, oh, yeah, to do. I got a thing. And she does it. And then we hold a long time before Sawyer sets off his. Like, you can almost hear him roll his eyes and go, oh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and Sawyer sets off his. And it's just long enough to think that it's not going to happen. And then, of course, Saeed starts to figure out the signal, and then he's whacked on the back of the head. Which, I gotta admit, like, the first time I saw this, like, way back in the day, that was a pretty shocking way to wrap up the episode. And, uh, we're gonna have an episode very soon where we find out all Who about... Who and why that happened. Yes. Um, but Kate has rushed to the cave, and she's acting like a mad woman. She's in there, like, she's obsessed with, we gotta get Jack We out. gotta save my almost boyfriend! <laughs> and Charlie, <laughs> though, I backup boyfriend. So Charlie is there in the cave with Jack while all this craziness is going on outside. And they're kind of resigning themselves, like, oh, we might die. Huh. And then Charlie sees the moth. The moth that the metaphor that when he asked Locke for drugs the second time, Locke gave him the metaphor about the strength of the moth and how it becomes stronger because it struggles. And Charlie sees the moth and he figures, that moth got in here somehow. There's got to be a way out. And he sees some light and also like the descent. I was going to say, <laughs> talking about descent parallels, he... He then climbs atop a mountain of bones. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. But he and Jack claw their way out to the surface. Yeah. Um, and again, in a very in a way that's very reminiscent of the descent. A movie that came out two years after this episode aired. Um, but it's a great episode. If you want to see a great movie about people Make stuck in sure a cave. Make sure you see the original British version of the movie. The American ending cuts it way too short. Like, for anybody watching, listening to us right now in America, don't watch it on Netflix because Netflix has the American cut and it cuts the ending short in a way that doesn't make sense and completely undermines basically the entire journey that the entire movie takes. So don't watch the, watch the official original. So, anyway. Sorry, that was a tangent. The, I just feel very strongly the, about the I know you do. We've talked about this off air. Um, we have. I think the last time we recorded, actually. <laughs> so, they get out, and then there's this great, like, everyone's frantically, like, trying to dig them out. And the two of them just pop up like, hey, guys. Hey, guys, what you doing? <laughs> and it's like, oh, they're so, and Kate's so happy to see them. And, you uh, know. and Jack's like, ow, ow, recently dislocated shoulder, please don't. <laughs> and it's a great little semi-romantic moment for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now... You know, Michael checked out the structure of the rest of the caves, and there's another stupid Michael Sun thing where Walt's like, should we stay? Should we? Like, this is pretty good here. Uh, 
this place is cool. Can we live here? And Michael looks over at Sun, and he's like thinking, yeah, we could live here. Oh, boy. <laughs> I did like that this was the, um, again, since last episode was Sun's episode, I like the, char- the, the very brief character yes. progression that we get with her and, um, and her husband, like, that, that point where he's like, what are you wearing? That's so indecent. Like, go go put something else on. And she's like, it's too hot. And that's the first time. She's disagreed with him but it's about she, certain things. She stands up to him in a way that, like, and I think even he realizes, I'm not going to be able to change this. Yeah. It wasn't a, like, he wasn't looking at her in a how dare you defy me sort of way. Again, knowing what we know about um, June later on down the line. Well, she's also right. Yeah. It's, it's bloody hot. hot and humid and gross. <laughs> and but um, but yeah, knowing what we and, know about uh, Jin later on down the line, we see kind of this look of not necessarily fear, but kind of a deer in the headlights of, oh, I'm losing control of this situation. And you know who noticed that Sun was looking indecent? Michael. <laughs> um, and this will go nowhere. That's not, that's, not enti- that's not entirely fair because actually I think the relationship that him and and Jin the, develop actually, well, you know, because he's one of, of the people who go on Michael's raft. Well, and also the, um, I also think that the temptation of a potential relationship there ultimately tests the relationship that Sun and Jin will, you know, have once they, once we learn more about them and put their relationship more into context, having that temptation there tests their relationship and they come out stronger for it. But I do roll my eyes because this potential relationship with Michael does go nowhere and doesn't really amount to much outside of what we are then grasping at straws for. Um, And again, it's, it's not a bad thing. Again, things are certain things are out of the the show's control. Um, but I again, after getting these shining moments with Michael in this episode where he got to step up and contribute to the group and be a voice of authority for a little while um, and somebody who could be trusted to make the right decision about where they were staying, it's disappointing that he doesn't get more moments like that. Um, so kind of the, to wrap the episode up, Jack has figured out Charlie is going through withdrawal. Yep. Um, and he, he even covers for him with Hurley, says that Aww. Charlie's got the flu, and Hurley's like, oh, that sucks, you know. Aww. Um, and this is right after Charlie gets to be the hero, where everybody's like, way to go, Charlie! Yeah. It's just so sweet. But so much of that has to do with what we get in the final, which I remembered. I did remember how this episode ended. Yes. And he goes to Locke. He sees Locke there, and he asks him for the drugs the third time. And you could tell the disappointment in Locke's yeah, face. Yeah, it was just And he, he even holds back a second, like you, know, like you know what you're asking. He's like, yeah, And then, and I remembered this, Charlie flips it in the fire, he flips the, the drugs in the fire, and Locke... Uh, Locke looks very proud of him in that moment, too. And we're all proud of, I'm, of Charlie. I'm not going to lie. Watching this again, I cried. Oh, good. I was just like, eh. Well, because, again, like we ultimately know later on down the line that Charlie is the type of person who would sacrifice himself for the greater good and yep. for the people he cares about. And this is, you know, a, this episode is the first step towards that. 
um, towards that ultimately tragic end, but, like, also it's just such a moving moment of personal growth and, again, just the... He struggled, and he's going to continue to struggle, but you ultimately know he's going to become a better person for it. Yeah. And the fact that he got to make that choice and that he made the right choice is just... It's one of those things where even though I was talking about how Locke was a madman earlier in this episode by putting Charlie's life in danger, he also had these moments of sagely wisdom and fatherly affection. I would argue Locke has always had good intentions. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. When he's not blinded by the crazy, yes. No, but even then I think his intentions are always pure. I would argue that. I mean, I don't sed- remember. I don't remember every. Episode. I would argue that being seduced by the island um, and needing to be right—that's not necessarily those. Those motives aren't necessarily pure, but. Um, but we'll we'll get we'll cross those bridges when we come to them. But, Years from now. But I'm just saying, in this moment, it's a very very touching moment because we know, like again, what's been established. He's a big fan. He got Charlie's guitar back. He's helping him through this, you know, this drug thing. Oh, it's just so good. So, um, yeah, that's the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh. I would say if I have a negative thing of the episode... Your uh, light and dark. Yes, my <laughs> dark would be... Um, uh, I do think there are some times where it dabbles into some obvious cliches. Uh, particularly with the, the rock star stuff. Um, but, you know, you gotta love that Charlie. Charlie's always gonna be the light for me. Oh, he's so precious. How about you? Um, for me, again, this is a, such a solid episode, and any episode that brings me to tears, not because it's bad, but because it's good, um, I have a hard time, like, digging for bad things. I would say that if anything in this episode were to be my dark, it would be the Jack and Kate stuff in the very beginning, where they're they're acting like a couple where their marriage is on the rocks or something like that. The only reason why I say that moment in particular is because that's a moment where I don't feel the chemistry that I normally feel between the two of them. Well, and now you're never gonna feel it because you're gonna no, want you're gonna want just Kate I, and Saeed. I do. This yeah, it's it's one of those things where I look at I'm like Kate and Jack should have never been a thing. Like and and this is an episode that kind of cements that for me. I'm like they don't belong together. Kate would be so much better off with someone else, and and this is the beginning of kind of the love triangle stuff, and not necessarily like we've gotten little bits of it before, but this is sort of where Kate as a character sort of starts getting pushed aside to just romantic love triangle stuff and I still feel like that's a huge disservice to her character and what she was supposed to be so I would say that Jack and Kate at the beginning of this episode is my dark not great and I can't wait to hear what your dark song when we get to season three (laughs) I might throw my headphones at you or the wall when they're all locked in cages god (laughs) even I have a problem with that storyline and I'm a big apologist for this show thank you 
anyway, sorry, sorry, neither here nor there. We'll get to it one day. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Megan, where can the people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. And you can follow us on Twitter at No Love Lost Pod. And uh, we will be back next week with a. So my man Sawyer. Oh, finally! I am so I'm already an apologist for him just because I know what he becomes. But uh, we're gonna start to see a little bit of Sawyer's back. Oh, once we got his backstory, I got the biggest crush on Josh Holloway. I'm not even gonna lie. There's no need to pretend. So we will see you then. Bye. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to No Love Lost on the podcast Jukebox Network. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening, and if you guys liked the show that we put on, you might like some of the other shows put on by this lovely network. Um, Off the Cuffs, which is a kink and BDSM podcast, which is very popular. Um, Being There, Will Sean podcast. Will he? Uh, he does. <laughs> uh, you would know. Drinks with God and proud to be kinky. Yeah, so we want to give a big thank you to this network for, for supporting us, for giving us a platform to talk about Lost On. So, guys, it would really mean a lot if you would show uh, these other podcasts some love. Yeah, go back, give them a listen. If you like us, you might like them. We're on the same network. Only makes sense. Go listen to them. Give them all five stars. Do that. And then also give us five stars. Yeah, we could use it. <laughs>